Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The next train to North Station is now arriving. Welcome into the WEEI Celtics podcast powered by CLNS Radio. I'm your host, Sam Packer, joined as always by Jared Weiss. Right now we are recording in the depths of the TD Garden hours before the Celtics heat on Saturday. And we're joined by the great Kevin O'Connor from Celtics blog, Comcast Sportsnet, About.com. Where else? You're everywhere Vantage Sports. And I don't do Vantage much anymore, but couple of places yeah all right the great we've been trying Thanks to get kevin me. on for what months now and finally we, we got this chance and showed up a little bit early today and we're here to talk about c's and talk a little bit about the draft so first off let's talk about that empty roster spot so everybody wanted joe johnson to come to boston but that was a little optimistic although you laid out while we were having dinner the other night a pretty good argument as did eric weiss laid out a pretty good argument for joe johnson coming here because he would be such a featured rotation player. Do you think he's going to get that in Miami? You know, I'm a little bit surprised that he did go to Miami, but maybe they have plans for him to be more of a rotation guy. Because, I mean, I didn't think Cleveland was a good choice for him because even Kevin Love doesn't get his looks there, right? So if you're Joe Johnson, you're 34 years old, you want that last contract and the opportunity to play. So I don't think he would get that in Cleveland. Maybe Miami's going to offer it. The thing that surprised me about him going to Miami was that they made this huge effort to the trade deadline to get under the tax, and if they sign him, I think it was they can't sign him until March 7th if they want to stay under the tax. So I don't think he's going to wait that long. So do they just kind of say, screw it, all right, we're going back over the tax, we're going to be repeaters again this year just for Joe Johnson? That was a, a kind of confusing thing for me. Um, with that last rotation player, do you think the Celtics need that or uh, another player to bring in, or is it entirely dependent on the health of Kelly Olynyk? Um, for me, the only veteran player I really wanted was Joe Johnson, if I were the Celtics, because I think he can offer like a positive impact that's worth you know, taking minutes away from a guy like Jonas Drebko or whoever it may be, whereas like guys who get might, get, might get bought out like Kevin Martin, I mean, they don't really move the needle. Marcus Thornton? Yeah, Marcus, Marcus Thornton. Marcus the yeah, microwave? Not, he can heat yeah, up Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's not worth it to me. I mean, I'd rather either just keep the spot open or bring in a young guy, something like that. Wait, so if you could get a guy, it, in, assuming the vet's willing to sit at the end of the bench and just be that person that's called a bond in a spot situation, you don't think that's worth it? No, not at all. I don't, I don't think it's worth bringing in an old guy, like a 35-year-old Kevin Martin. I don't think it's worth it when he's not going to play. I don't, see, I don't see any point. I'd, rather, I'd personally rather bring up one of the D-leaguers on a 10-day contract. Um, to who? Someone in Maine, maybe Malcolm Miller, who they had in for uh, for summer league last year. They had him in for training camp. I think Malcolm Miller is a very good prospect. He's someone I think lock him up, sign you know sign him to a ten day, maybe even keep him in Maine, sign him to another ten day, maybe bring him up a little bit if injuries happen, and then maybe sign him to a rest of the season contract so you don't lose him. I mean, because I, I like him a lot. Answer me this: What's the point of having another player or bringing in another guy when you already have three people, four people who just see no minutes um 
in my opinion, I think Malcolm Miller could possibly be a better prospect than James Young. So if, if I maybe I don't know if the Celtics feel this way, but if they really like Malcolm Miller, what if by the end of the year, you know, some other team sees potential in him and they lock him up? And then you're the Celtics and you get screwed. You lost out on Malcolm Miller because you didn't want to. You, you put a, a 34-year-old Kevin Martin or however old he is now into your final roster spot when you don't use him, you don't need him, and then you lose out on a guy who potentially could be an asset or a rotational player in the coming years. So do you think that people don't really look at that last roster spot as something that actually is more of a future impact than a current day impact? Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it, especially because Joe Johnson. I mean, I, I think Joe Johnson would have been a great signing, but just because Joe Johnson would have been, I don't necessarily think there's another guy out there that's that's worth it for now. So if it's not worth it for a guy right now, what else is there? There's, there's D-leaguers, and that's about it. And I know, I think, I forget if it was Brad or maybe Ainge in an, in, an, in an interview alluded to the fact that maybe they'll go to the D-league, and I think that's possibly what's going to happen now because they didn't get Joe Johnson. If they even had interest, they might not have. I mean, only Mark Stein reported that they were in on him. It's kind of like the basketball equivalent of September call-ups in baseball. Yeah. It's like it's, especially with you get you can do two 10-day contracts, so you basically get three weeks almost with a guy to figure out if he's big league material, if he's ready, or if he can fit something for you. I mean, last year they did it with Chris Babb, who Babb has been with the team, had been on and off with the team for a few years, so they're pretty familiar with him. Miller's been with the team for, uh, is it a year he, and a half he's now? A, he would be a rookie. Yeah, he, but he's been involved with the team through summer league and, pre, and training uh, j- camp. Just for, last summer league. He graduated last year. Oh, that's true. Okay. Cross, yep. So there's him. Um, who, I mean, whom else do you see in the D-League um, that could probably, be? I mean, another main guy, Cody Clark. Yeah. But I, I don't think Cody Clark as much as an NBA player. He's a good, really good European player or maybe like a, a fringe Ross NBA player. But I think Malcolm Miller, like I said, I think he's a better prospect than James Young. I just think Malcolm Miller is like the prototype of a 3 and D player. I think he's so long, so athletic. He can defend. He is, he's a great three-point shooter. He's gotten better constantly every year at Holy Cross. Um, I just think he's an NBA player for sure in the future. So where where would he fit in a rotation if he were to get the call up? Probably n- no, nowhere. I think, <laughs> I, th- I, I think the whole. But point what kind of lineups could you envision him getting squeezed into? I th- I mean I don't think they would use him this year. I, I think I think the whole point of signing him would be to lock him up. Really? So like you know you have him under control heading into the summer on you know end of season contract with the non guaranteed contract for next year like with Chris Babb. And then maybe you keep them, maybe you don't. Depends on what happens with the roster shakeup this summer. Well, you know, they're starting to get RJ in there for very few spot minutes now. He's getting like six minutes a game. So that's some sort of, it's mostly because of Olenek getting hurt and then Lee getting waived. But do you think that down the stretch we're going to see more from Hunter, get a little bit of Rozier maybe, depending on injury, obviously. That'll be interesting to see, actually, because, I mean, I think you bring up a good point, Jared, about Brad integrating Arching in for about six minutes a game because maybe in Brad's mind he wants to kind of replicate the, f- the floor spacing that Kelly Olynyk provides. So depending on Olynyk on, on how Olynyk performs when he returns, maybe RJ's role will grow. Because I think RJ is the type of guy who needs kind of more consistent opportunity to, to get that flow, kind of like Kelly Olynyk does. I mean, it's kind of similar. They have similar personalities. So that's been kind of the thing with RJ this season is he came in with this reputation for three point shooting, but we haven't seen him knock down those shots consistently. He had some open looks the other night uh, in the Bucks game, but wasn't able to hit them. And Brad definitely mentioned when they asked about what Kelly's absence means. It's just less three-point shooting, less floor spacing. 
but it's hard to replicate with RJ Hunter just because he doesn't have the positional versatility that Olenek does. He's not going to draw out any of the centers. So, I mean, but he can play at the two or the three. I think you can you can slot him in different areas. What I like about RJ is that while he hasn't been hitting his threes, he's either missing them like almost air balls short or really long. And that's a sign of a really good shooter when they're really young because that he's not really right and left that often. It's usually like near air balls, which means that he has really good mechanics. The problem is he doesn't have a lot of experience shooting from, you know, he's shooting like three and a half feet further back. And those guys that like hit those great shots without even like looking at the rim basically are really setting their feet like, over a second consciously. Those are guys that run those shots a thousand times over every day. And eventually it's just kind of automatic. They have their spots on the floor where they don't even need to look at the rim anymore. They just fire it up. And that's something that when you look at how consistent his mechanics are and the way that the shot trajectory looks, I think a year or two from now he's going to be nailing those every oh, time. Oh, yeah, I mean, RJ's got a flamethrower, as Mike Schmitz from Draft Express says about RJ. He's got a flamethrower, and he, he really does. But the issue is, in order to get that flamethrower going, sometimes you need to play a consistent role. And I think, you know, at Georgia State, he was the guy. He got fed shots relentlessly. And now he's just kind of a guy who stands in the corner, and that's probably hard for him to adjust from being a go-to scorer, like a guy who got heavy, heavy usage every game, no matter how much coverage he was getting, to a guy who here and there gets a touch. That, that's hard for a young player, especially coming from what he did. All right, from last year's rookie class to this year's rookie class, I know you've just started up your, uh, your scouting for uh, the draft book you put together, and the Celtics are likely to have a top five pick. Can you give us a potential target? First, I want to ask you, do you think the Celtics should draft just, are you a best player available type of guy or trying to draft to need? Um, I'm a, I'm a trade-the-pick-if-you-can type of guy. But if they have to keep the pick, um, I if they let's say they end up with the number one or number two pick, I'm a Brandon Ingram guy. Um, I look at him, I think his positional versatility on defense sets him a little bit apart from Simmons. And I know Simmons is like a spectacular passer. He's flashy. He's fun. He's going to be on Center top 10 all the time as a rookie. Um, he's going to have the vines on Twitter. But Brandon Ingram is a solid passer, too, for his position. It's not like the Celtics couldn't integrate him into the offense. Um, and Ingram is a significantly better shooter than Simmons. So it's not like you can't really use Simmons off ball. With Ingram, you can. I just think Ingram, if they get the top, a top two pick, is a significantly better fit than Simmons. And one of the best articles that you've written recently was the uh, Simmons, is he shooting with the wrong hand? And I thought it was fascinating in this, uh, the statistics, especially him shooting with his uh, right hand at the rim. Well, I was curious, what made you look into that? What are you just trying to figure out why he was such a bad shooter? Um, I, I sometimes so, Something I do, like, I try to look at basketball like not as basketball, I try to just look at trends. Like what, what, what's a trend that I see? And I was like, this dude shoots lefty, but he does everything else righty. I was like, I wonder how much he's actually using his right hand. And so I started just looking at all his shots. I looked back at every game and, and then it's like, oh my God, he's shooting like 75% of his shots right-handed. And then like as, as I finished it, it was like I think 81.5% of his shots were with his right hand, besides jump shots. And that's outrageous. I mean, it makes you think, this guy is actually right-handed. And the fact that he told, I think it was the New York Post or something, um, I, was forced, I was happy to see that quote in there that he's like, I think I was supposed to be right-handed. He knows. He knows that he's actually right-handed. Yet he's still shooting lefty. I, I think if you have questions about the potential number one pick, if he's shooting with the right hand, that's a red flag. 
that's a major red flag to me. I mean, what was the most obscure thing that you found that he does with his left hand besides jump shooting? <laughs> There's nothing. He signs autographs with his right hand, so I think he does everything with his right hand. That's good scouting work. You even found out how he signs his autographs. <laughs> it's one of the first things I Googled, <laughs> Ben Simmons autograph. Serious, that's, seriously. How do you think he started shooting with his left hand? Is um, this, did you find that information out? Well, in, in that article with the quote with him saying, I think I'm supposed to be righty, that, that came out like a day or two before. I published my article. I was I was ecstatic to see that quote. But in that article, there wasn't a quote about it. But the the author mentioned his father had him shoot lefty when he was a kid. I don't know how accurate that is. It doesn't come from Simmons. But if his dad had him shoot lefty at a young age, that's probably just because his dad was lefty, and that's the only yeah, way you could teach or him. Or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's just odd. That's it's the really old legend odd. about Mo Vaughn. He was growing up with a single mom who could only teach him how to bat left-handed, and that's why Mo Vaughn's a le- uh, lefty. Could be a Phil Mickelson thing where the basketball hoop was in the garage. They only had enough space <laughs> yeah, to shoot yeah. left-handed. I mean, or I mean, it's like any of us. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to try to swing lefty to be like Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, I know my friend who was who was a lefty tried like hell to be like Mark McGuire. He switched righty and he sucked at it. But you know, if he kept at it for the rest of his life, maybe he would have become the number one prospect just swinging the wrong way. It's different in baseball. It, and if you had batted righty when yeah. you were a kid, he probably would have been in the MLB by now. I, I, maybe who knows? Could have been the next Yasiel. Well, I did bat righty. I just that was like a wiffle ball thing trying to be like Hanger <laughs> Jr. I didn't take it too serious. Was it like thin bat or, or like big yeah, bat the wiffle thin ball? Bat, the thin oh, okay. that's, that's a higher degree. In yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the other pick that uh, the Celtics could be making with the Mavericks potentially falling out of the playoffs. They could be in that 10 to 14 range. Who are some targets that the, the fans out there should be looking at as potential fits with the Celtics or just good players will be available in that range? Um, I think one guy to mention who, not as not exactly for the Mavericks pick, but he's in between, is Dragon Bender. I was about um, to ask inter- you about Dragon Bender. An in, in, international player. Um, he's probably, in my opinion, he's a top three pick, but Dario Saric I thought was a top five pick, and he fell to, I think, number 11 to Philly two years and ago. And the league will regret it very much. So. Because of his contract status. Yeah. So maybe something similar could happen with Bender. Maybe he's someone who falls to number 10 or number 12, wherever the Mavericks pick is. Or maybe the Celtics are able to package a couple picks to move up from 12 to 7 to get Bender. But, but at the 10 to 14 spot, I'll be honest, there's not a lot of guys I'd be super excited about if I'm the Celtics because of the fact that they have so many guys in that role player, you know, guy who can just fill in off the bench. But, um, well, let, but, me, let but, me pause you there. I just want to know more about um, Bender's game because a drafting staff should be perfect for the Celtics given their current roster construction. So I know absolutely. I know nothing about him except he has a real badass name. What's his absolutely. game like? I mean, he's got the best name possibly in the NBA once he comes over. That's the only reason you need. But. Here's a good. Re- here's another good reason. There's only a couple guys in the NBA that can, who are a over like six seven. Bender's seven foot, who can shoot threes, who can handle the ball, who can protect the rim, who can block shots. It's like Draymond Green, and that's about it. Can I guess yeah. Kelly Olynyk? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe not Kelly, quite as good, maybe, but but <laughs> and uh, some guy named Kristaps well, uh, Porzingis. Here's another one. I mean, I, I left off probably the big one and switch on defense and defend perimeter players. I mean, there's Draymond Green, and that's kind of about it. Yeah. Right. And I think Bender has potential to be one of the rare players that does all those things. And what does Stevens always emphasize? Versatility and spacing and passing and ball movement. And Bender excels in all those areas. So I look at him and I'm like, he could be like the perfect big man slash wing slash guard for the Celtics. Tell me about his body, though. How's his body? He's he's, he's (laughs) He's got a tight bod. Yeah, I mean, he's thin right now. Chris Tapp's thin? 
I mean, Chris, I mean, Chris Stapps was really thin a couple years ago. He's a little bit thicker than Chris yeah, yeah, He's I got mean, a little more power yeah, when he comes yeah, in. He does. Low. He does. But, I mean, they're different players, I think. But, I mean, he has the frame to add muscle. I don't, I don't worry about that, really, with Bender. He, but he is thin right now. And, and, and he'd get overpowered, I think, if he stepped on an NBA floor tomorrow. But just like with Porzingis, he's got that level of intensity and aggressiveness. He kind of reminds me of Joakim Noah in that regard, with like a rail, like a thin guy that's just so aggressive, and he he plays with the level of intensity, and he moves with the level of aggression that he's hitting you as hard as a big guy would hit you, just because he's moving so quickly and he's moving so passionately. Yeah, and he's a smart guy. I think he speaks like perfect English, and I, that's kind of an issue for some European players that come over. There's a language barrier, but with Bender, he, there's no issue there. What team does he play for now? Because I'm just imagining a situation draft and stash, and he stays in Europe. The Celtics really have no control over how he develops. I mean, they can give suggestions, well, but it's then they're relying I on mean, the... He the plays for Maccabi, which is one of the best European teams, um, international teams, but he's only playing like 12 minutes per game. He, he stands in a corner and shoots threes, which is uh, one reason why people have soured on him a little bit, because he's not getting the role that you want him to have. But at the same time, Mario Hizonia did the same thing. That didn't change the fact that Orlando took him high last year. Kristaps Porzingis didn't have a large role last year. That didn't change the fact that he's come straight to the NBA and becoming a super effective player. So, I mean, it's just really odd to me that the last two like top five picks that came um, from overseas didn't play much, but they're still top five picks. Do you so know I think if Bender uh, Bender's trying to make the jump next season or he's willing um, to stay in Europe? I know John Giovanni from Draft Express reported recently that he has an NBA-friendly buyout. So... John is as, as plugged in is as plugged in as anybody with international prospects. So I assume maybe maybe if a team wants him to, they'll come over right away. But if you're the Celtics, like you mentioned earlier, Sam, maybe you don't want him to come over. Maybe you're happy with him playing overseas for a year or two. And Maccabi Tel Aviv has a bit of a track record of their guys being able to get into the NBA pretty much whatever they oh, need yeah, to. For sure. I mean, They're, they facilitate buyouts pretty for, well. For sure. And I think that's probably a positive with Bender that um, I'd bring him over right away. I, I mean, you'd, you'd want him here. I think. Okay, so last question would be on that Dallas pick or the Celtics pick if everything falls apart down the stretch here. Which is <laughs> looking at somewhere between the end of the lottery or around the end of the lottery. There's once again the Eric Bl or the Calipari syndrome where you have a great player that's stuck in the wrong position because they have so many great players there. Eric Bledsoe had that. Uh, we'll, we'll see if Trey Lyles had that happening with him. Um, and now we have Scal LaCibiere. If I even said that right, I always forget it. Yeah, that's that's how it is. So he was, he was number one on a lot of draft boards coming into the season, and he hasn't. He just has. He hasn't been able to shine with Calipari. How do you feel? I think he's just soft. Yeah, I think he's just a soft player. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday. That's mean. Uh, that's an eighteen-year-old boy. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, look. Does does he even? He hasn't played basketball for long. But I mean, I don't know if he has that killer instinct. I don't think he has that toughness that you. I don't think every player needs to be tough, but a lot of people knock Chris Stapps for being tough, not being tough. But that dude was tough. Scal is not a tough player. He does not battle inside. He, I, I don't know if he has it. I, I think he has bust written all over him. He could work out, but if you're the Celtics from the Celtics perspective, I don't know if you want to commit to that and wait four or five years for him to pan out into the player. I'd, I'd rather go with a guy like Buddy Heald or Denzel Valentine, someone who, you know. You have the, it might be a little bit of a redundant position behind Young, behind R.J. Hunter, those shooting uh, shooting wings. But those guys can play, and I think they're going to be NBA players. I'd rather draft one of the uh, sophomore, junior, or senior, one of those guys, not, not a freshman like Jamal Murray or 
or Scal. All right, Kentucky. so 30 seconds left. What about Jake Politel? Oh, uh, Pirtle? I always get it wrong. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny name. Uh, Jacob Pirtle uh, from Utah. Oh, the big old white dude from Utah. Yeah, the big old white dude. <laughs> yeah. um, I, it depends on what they do with Zeller, I think. I mean, there's a chance he turns into just Tyler Zeller. I like him a lot. I think he'll be a good pick-and-roll player, but I don't, I don't think he will really move the needle enough for me to get excited about him. But, you know, he should be on the radar, I think. All right, a lot to digest there. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. We got out of here with only one interruption, which we edited out, so you didn't even know that until just now. Uh, I want to thank Samuel Packer with that beautiful hat he's got on there. Uh, that's going to do it for us. I'm Jared Weiss. This is the WEI Celtics podcast powered by CLNS Radio. We'll see you uh, later, I guess, next week, which is technically later this week. Uh, so enjoy the show and enjoy this Miami Celtics game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.